Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Today's sermon is about chaos. Chaos reigns supreme, right? Chaos. As I was writing the, this or preparing this sermon, the word chaos just kept coming up over and over and over in my mind. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Do you know what the Armenian word for chaos is? Chaos. Do you know what the Greek word for chaos is? Chaos. Do you know what the French word for chaos is? Chaos. It's, it's a thing, right? It's a thing. We know about it. Just a day or two ago, my, my mother, Dira Marjanin, is here visiting us, and she walked into my office. She said something like, this thing is in chaos. What's, your office is a mess. It said it looks, well, I know why it's a mess. It's because I have a two-year-old. Okay, it's the same reason that my, my apartment is a mess sometimes. Um, we all have our personal reasons that we encounter disorder in our lives, which is, I guess, a way of understanding chaos. But of course, when we look to the larger world that we're a part of, when we turn on the television or we read the newspaper or we open up whatever news website that it is that we read or our Facebook feed, Inchvore, it seems as though the chaos strikes us. It reaches out at us. It calls a very sort of primal and deep fear that we have in our lives that brings our attention to it. There's the picture of our friend's baby, and that's very nice. But, oh, there's also the story about the looming storm or the awful crisis or the crimes which are taking place in our neighborhoods or abroad or terrorism. And all of these things, they strike fear into our hearts because we feel as though we are living in a world that is in chaos. Chaos, is it disorder? Is it disruption? Is it a lack of harmony? Is it all of these things? If we read the Greek, it's none of these things. Chaos is a void. Chaos is an absence of meaning or purpose. It's an absence of order in the world, an absence of all things. This is chaos, and this, this can make us afraid, understandably so. Whether it's when I have too many toys on the ground and I fear as though I'm going to stub my toe, and I do on occasion, or whether I'm afraid that when I walk out of my house in the morning, something awful is just going to happen because I live in a chaotic world, these things, they um, resonate deeply in our personal lives, of course. And just yesterday we, we, we saw this huge hurricane which landed off of the coast of Texas. We have relatives in Texas, yet Itzkin's aunt lives there. Maybe you know people, maybe you don't. It's still scary, right? We're dealing with climate change. We're dealing with global warming. We're dealing with all of these things that seem completely outside of our control, and there are victims in the process. We, five people lost their lives in these storms. Uh, Darren, who always follows the international news very closely, reminded me that there were storms taking place in um, Southeast Asia. And Part of the reason why we feel as though this chaotic aspect of the world uh, can inspire such fear in our lives is because we simply don't understand how we can exert any control over that reality. But the passage that we read in the gospel today, which has found similar stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Synaptic Gospels, today we read from the Gospel of John, is a story about when something like that just happened. It's a story about the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee and encountering a storm. 
And in the midst of that chaotic environment, they were afraid. They were deeply afraid. And those of us that went to Israel last year, and we hope to go again soon, we went on that same sea. It's not that big. <laughs> you can see from one side to the other, basically. It's a large lake. But still, they could probably not see the other side of that lake. They weren't sure which direction they were facing. The storm came upon them quickly, and when they thought they had control, they didn't. And they were afraid. And it took them longer than it should have to realize that Christ was with them, to realize that Christ was there in the boat with them, and for them to wake him up and see if he could do anything about it. This, that's where the lesson was found in today's passage. And this lesson was given not just for the benefits of the disciples. This lesson was given for the benefit of us. It was passed on to us through the Gospels because there's something deeply important found in this story. Not only is it a worthwhile story to tell, but there is a very deep meaning found in this. And the question that it answers is, who is Christ to you? Who is Christ to you? in the midst of this chaotic world? What do you think he can do for you, if anything? For some of the disciples at that point in their relationship with him, they felt as though he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, he was a healer, he was a charismatic man, he was an advocate, he was a rebel, he was somebody who would uh, tell truth to power, he was a leader, He, he was all of these things. But there were some who still did not yet understand or accept that he was also Lord of all creation. And that that means something for them, for those that should walk with him, for those that should be in the boat with him. And when they called upon him, he showed them what that means. He calmed the storm. He has power over all of creation. This chaotic world that we believe we're a part of is under his dominion and authority. It's not just a story about a storm that went away. It's a story about a man who came to redeem us and has unlimited authority over creation because he is part of the triune Godhead, because he is with the Father and he's with the Holy Spirit, and he he came for us. He came to help us calm these storms in our lives. He came to remove chaos from our existence so that we should not be afraid. And that's why he admonished the disciples for being afraid in the midst of what they felt as though was chaos, when in fact he was only there waiting, waiting for them to call upon him. There is no phenomenon which has been observed in the known universe, within and without this world, and within and without ourselves, that Christ does not have the power to bring peace to if we're only willing to call upon him, to be with him, to abide in him, and to let him abide in us. And this applies not only to our own lives, but it also applies to the relationships that we have to one another within the context of our families, within the context of our communities, within the context of our church. Two weeks ago, On the Feast of the Assumption of the Holy Virgin Mary, we talked about interconnectivity, about how it's important that we not only be connected to each other, but we be connected to each other through Christ, because he sanctifies our relationships. He keeps those relationships holy, pure, and productive. A week ago, we talked about the virtue of hope, that in that brief moment when 
St. Mary seemed to feel as though she couldn't manage the burden of being the bearer of the Son of God, Elizabeth came to her and he, she gave her hope. And that hope isn't just about what we believe is going to happen in the future, but it's about making a choice about how we're going to live today. And that still applies in this context, that if we accept Christ as the one who has authority over all things, it's not a statement of belief. It's a choice about how we're going to live that has an impact in every aspect of our own lives and within our church as well. That if we find within our community chaos or conflict, if we find disruption in the peace that we pray for by Jesus Christ, is it because we're not turning to him often enough and asking him to bring that peace into our reality? It's my prayer today that the Prince of Peace brings that same peace to your own lives, just as he brought it into the lives of the disciples 2,000 years ago, because he has not only the authority to do so, but also the love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.